Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is October 18th, 2021. And as we've been doing of late, let's begin by coming together in a brief moment of silence, followed by the sounding of the noontime recollection. We know, O oh Lord of life and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love, that we too may love and give. We know that our work together in triangles is really embodied in that recollection for we do come together to aid the world teacher, the Christ in the work that he's preparing for in cooperation with the spiritual hierarchy of letting loose the forces of light and love so that we can give more fully of ourselves to the extent that we align with that intention. And so today we're working in, a, in an important point in the annual cycle, as all the full moons are. This is the point of preparation for the Libra full moon, which occurs on Wednesday. And the Lucis Trust will be having its New York meeting tomorrow night at 6.30. And on Wednesday, closer to the exact time of the full moon, the Geneva and London offices will likewise have their meetings. So we hope you can join in these events because the more people that work together, just like in the work of triangles, uh, the more fully can we aid the forces of light in a challenging task, um, confronting them at this time. So we work together each week to strengthen the planetary network of triangles by coming together and participating in a meditative visualization. We also provide this platform to introduce this work to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles. So if you have uh, a willingness to find out more about this work, you can go to our website, triangles.org and find out there. You can sign up for a bulletin board wherein you can meet other people throughout the world who are hoping to form triangles, or you can put your name in the chat box here, and hopefully two other members of the webinar will agree to form a triangle with you. It's a daily practice, this work of triangles. Each day we link together with our two triangles partners, or our multiple triangles partners, depending if we have multiple triangles, and we visualize a triangle of lighted energy connecting the three of us. And then we draw upon the central point or synthesizing point of that triangle, which is the world teacher, the Christ. And we connect with all other lighted triangles throughout the world, stimulating the love energy in the planet. And then we finalize the work by sounding the great invocation visualizing ourselves doing the, so in alignment with all our group brothers and sisters throughout the world, releasing the potent energies of the invocation so that light, love, and power can help to restore the plan on our planet. For that's the process that's really being undertaken at this time, this restoration of the plan. And so this work in triangles need only take a few minutes each day, and it can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. So again, we hope that you will agree to join with us and uh, partake in this daily practice of distributing light and love. So as we usually have each week um, following the meditation, we have a presentation by one of our triangles coworkers and today we are looking forward to hearing from Michelle Pineda. 
and she's been a student of the Ageless Wisdom for over 30 years with interests in many different fields within the Ageless Wisdom, such as Theosophy, Anthroposophy, Rosicrucianism, and also the teachings of Alice Bailey. Her professional background includes 40 years of a specialty in nonprofit and governmental accounting, finance, and operational processes. So her, her um, presentation today will be entitled Impacts of First Ray Forces and Global Events. So we look really look forward to hearing from you later, Michelle. So as we always do, let's begin with a brief visualization. Let's come together and visualize the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And within that sphere, visualize a triangle of the three primary planetary centers, Shambhala, the planetary head center, the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart, and humanity, the planetary throat center. Visualize the circulation of these three points of light flowing in all directions around the triangle from point to point, merging and blending the three points, filling the triangle with light. Now superimposed upon that triangle, visualize a five-pointed star, the star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and future, radiating the energy of love wisdom. At each point of the star, the sphere of his activity stands an outpost of his consciousness, the five planetary centers. Visualize the energies radiating forth from the center of the star through the five points. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo. Visualize these outpouring energies enlivening small groups gathering everywhere, aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity, solving its problems, creating right human relations, restoring peace on earth. Let's project the rainbow bridge of energy towards the hierarchy and sound together the invocation of light. Radiance we are and power. 
we stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. So each, each month as we approach the full moon, we have the opportunity to work with its particular energies. For these energies pour through the network of triangles. And so while some of us might not have an interest in working specifically with any of the particular energies of the signs, it is part of our um, a suggested practice that the Tibetan um, brings forward, working with some of the key thought forms, trying to build these thought forms into human consciousness, and as triangles workers, thereby transmitting them through the wonderful vehicle of the planetary network. So it's, it's an interesting practice to undertake of connecting with the energies of any particular sign. And these energies are, of course, many and varied and uh, depend upon our level of consciousness, which aspects of the sign they might reveal. You know, people who are not placing themselves on the path react to these energies in one way, and those who are reversing the wheel, we might say, are going to be partaking of a higher correspondence to those energies. And Tibetan makes the interesting statement in relationship to Libra that Prior to that um, stepping of one's feet upon the path, the uh, life goes forward without too much disturbance, generally speaking. Certainly there are karmic crashes once in a while, but um, not to the extent that happens as one begins to step onto the long process of reversing that wheel, or you might particularly you might view it as swimming upstream while many others are floating downstream quite more comfortably in their personality shells. But the seeker after truth reverses that process and that's when the challenges come into play. And the particular uh, period of time in which this begins is said to be in Libra, when one passes through an incarnation wherein the energies of Libra are strong through the sun or the rising sign, or perhaps any other strong configuration of those energies. Because then the established currents, as I mentioned, begin to sway and no longer satisfy. And so one way in which this manifests for the majority of people going through this experience is through the life presenting them with powerful decisions that um, are not easily undertaken. And I'm sure all of us here have had those periods in our lives when we were confronted with a choice and we were not sure which way to go. So it's like a fork in the road. Um, sometimes those forks, as we progress, get bigger, uh, more difficult, need for greater discrimination because of the increasing subtlety of the choices as one moves forward on the path. So humanity too, as a whole, 
is conditioned very much by this energy of Libra, as is always the case, we're told, when passing between the ages. And so humanity is in scales, as we're told, and so many people are being confronted with this, perhaps the first taste of this Libran um, experience of choice and decision and how to choose out of the many conflicting forces and the much uh, distortion that's going on in our world. And how do we see the situation? It differs for each one of us and we have to make those choices for ourselves. And so that's probably about enough said. We can all experience these things in our daily lives and we can work particularly powerfully with those energies now in this sign, drawing upon the potency of Libra as we stand within the center point, because that's one of the key qualities of Libra. And I thought I'd just close this brief reflection with a visualization, not that we're going to do it, but just to say that when I read this visualization, I thought it was really related to the time in which we're living and to Libra in particular, because Libra is also known as the hub of the wheel. So it has a very potent connection standing at the center of all the signs. In a sense, it's somewhat akin to Pisces, which takes from all the signs. Libra stands as a synthetic point synthesizing all the signs and then reaching out through its majesty to a higher point of consciousness. We as humanity might call that point the synthetic aspect of the Shambhala force, powerful first ray energy, which Michelle will be speaking about. So the Tibetan advises his disciple to stand within the center of that wheel Perhaps we could visualize it as a diamond, a seven-faceted diamond, and as invoking the Christ who's standing in that central point of the spiritual hierarchy, and then visualizing seven spokes of the seven colors of the rays, the seven sacred planets, the seven ashramic groups, each along one of the ray lines, radiating forth their energies, which then are tapped by the new group of world servers and distributed in a ripple-like effect down into all the triangles workers and all spiritual workers. So we're all partaking of certain colors, certain textures, but at this time of this synthetic full moon, we're really working with the energy of the Christ pouring out, overshadowed by the higher centers on our planet and beyond. So it's a great, great opportunity to work together at this time. So we'll now move into our meditation. Let's come together as a group and stand upon the mental plane, the center, the even arm cross of discipleship, bridging towards the highest center of spiritual will, the center Shambhala, we sound together the affirmation of will. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Not shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, 
work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Visualization, using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Lift the consciousness now to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the Triangles Network. Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness and establishing right human relationships.
Let's project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy and sound together the mantra of unification. The sons of men are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all men love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. We'll close by sounding the great invocation, silently or aloud. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, as a channel through which light and love and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. Now I'd like to welcome Michelle, if you could share your screen.
Hello, Kathy. Can Hi. you hear me? Yes. Very good. Hold on and I'll, I will pull up my PowerPoint. Bear with me. Okay. So thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak today. Um, what I would like to talk about is um, the correlations and patterns and similarities of events of, uh, and the similarity of events between two periods of time, and that being the period of 1918 and 1945 and today. And I'd like to focus on the first ray forces as they impacted those those events during those time periods. Uh, certainly other forces were at work during this time, but for this presentation, I'm gonna focus on the first ray aspects and impacts. So you have uh, the period that's 1918 and 1945, and you had a number um, of events that occurred and I, and I listed the major ones that certainly transformed humanity at that time period. You have uh, the, the, the First and Second World War, uh, the Spanish flu, uh, the founding of the United Nations, for example. But you also have two items at the bottom there that I'm gonna hone in on later in on the program. And that is uh, the time cycles of the new group of world servers and the discovery and uh, the journey of Pluto. So I'm gonna speak to those and how um, they've impacted world events. Um, through the first ray. And here are some of the uh, impacts that are impacting humanity today, just to name a, a few of those. Um, you have some similarities as well as differences between the two time periods. For example, you have COVID-19 and of course, uh, during the prior, you had the Spanish flu. Uh, you have uh, today the great recession of 07, 09 and current economic stabilities where back in the earlier time period, you had the Great Depression. And another difference that I like to speak to is the third from the last bullet down, the Me Too movement, movements, um, where my thought is, is that uh, the events of the first time period were certainly destructive on the physical plane, um, specifically the, the World Wars, for example where it appears that for this time period that the impacts are more uh, focused on the astral and the mental planes. And I think the Me Too movements speak to the shattering of all ways of thinking um, with those movements. And again, I have uh, highlighted at the bottom there the time cycles of the new global world servers and Pluto declassified. So the first item I wanna to talk to um, is the time cycles of the new group of world servers. And for those of you who are not familiar with this article and its charts, it is found on the Lucis Trust website. And what this article and these charts speak to and they define is the rhythmic pattern of the new group of world servers over three cycle periods. And that is crisis consolidation, tension expansion, and an emergence impact. And when you look at the chart, and I'll explain it briefly for those of you who um, are not familiar with it, you have three cycles of a three-year cycle, a nine-year cycle, and a 27-year cycle. And you can see that the crisis consolidation, uh, the tension expansion, and the emergence impact are spread over a three, nine, and 27-year cycle. So you can see for the three-year cycle, and, and I color-coded it to, to, to make it easier to view. You can see for the period, for example, 1933 to 34, you have crisis consolidation, crisis consolidation, uh, 34, 35 tension expansion and 35, 36 emergence impact. And you can see over the nine year cycle how, how you have three years of the crisis consolidation, tension expansion and emergence impact. And then a 20 year cycle of three periods of nine, years of crisis consolidation, tension expansion, and emergence impact. And when you look at this chart, you can see at the bottom there, I have two years that are highlighted. And again, what I'm trying to do is tie the work of the new group of world servers, the subjective uh, causal 
impacts that the work of the, of the group does, such as triangles, how that's impacting world events. So with 1941 and 42, uh, at the midst of the World War, you can see there is um, a cycle there for the three-year emergence impact on public consciousness. And again, at the nine-year cycle and the 27-year cycle in the middle of the crisis consolidation period. And I also have um, 1944-45 um, highlighted as well. And, and I'll speak to why that's important. So as you go down through the chart, and this chart is about three or four pages, you can see emphasized in 2022-23, uh, you have uh, the cycles there. And the cycles for the time period that's going to begin next year is the same as the 1942 time period, the same exact cycle for the three, nine, and 27-year cycle. And the same holds true for the 25-26 cycle, which is also highlighted. And that aligns with the 1945 cycle. And why is that important? That's important because in the article itself, and I'll um, read a passage uh, from that article, the first bullet there, it says in 1942, quote, that the inner spiritual victory was gained and the ultimate result assured and that this outcome, quote, resulted in the great year of 1945, when it was possible for the Christ to make his great pronouncement of return and for the issuance of the great invocation. So if you look back at the chart, we'll just go back there, you can see at this period, it was known that the forces of light were gonna win that war. And that was gonna lay the groundwork in 1944 to 45 for the uh, pronouncing of the great invocation, that great gift to humanity that was provided to the Christ. And then you can see how that aligns with the current period. And then just to add to that, um, interestingly enough, the year 2025, again, has the same exact cyclical terms as 1945 with an important difference. And that difference being that in 2025, is when the spiritual enclave meets to determine the direction of humanity for the next 100 years. So again, just tying in the work of uh, the new group of world servers, again, that very subjective causal effort and perhaps how that's impacting humanity through these two periods. Secondly, I would like to talk about Pluto. And uh, interestingly, I found a correlation with Pluto as well as it relates to these two time periods. Um, first, Pluto, uh, for those of you who are not aware, is a non-safer planet that expresses the first ray um, um, energies. And uh, these first ray energies have been known um, to exist by esotericists for millennia. So it was known that those energies existed and perhaps with the discovery and the announcement of Pluto uh, brought into manifestation of those energies as, as we saw uh, during uh, the earlier time period and perhaps today. So it is a first ray um, planet, non-sacred, and it works powerfully through Scorpio and Pisces. And back during that time period, the late 1800s and the early, and the early 1900s, it was known at that time period, even though the instrumentation of that time was much more primitive than today, that there was something out there that was that had a gravitational pull and, and was impacting the outer planets at that time. So astronomers knew there was something there and, and what they called the hunt for planet X. So um, as a result of that, um, an astronomer out in Arizona uh, did discover um, and actually announced Pluto, uh, the discovery of Pluto on March 13th, 1930. And that was one day prior to the full moon of Pisces. And incidentally, it was declassified on August 24th, 2006, one day after the new moon of Virgo, the opposite sign of Pisces. So, and what makes that important <clears throat> is you have a pattern there developed as it relates to the the announcement and, and the declaration. I guess, can everyone still hear me? 
Yes. Okay, very good. So what that resulted in is um, a pattern being developed as it relates to these two time periods. Now I'd like to speak to discovery of a new planet number nine. There has been a number of articles over the last month or so about the high probability of a planet that exists beyond Neptune. And that is based on um, some data that was presented in an article by uh, astronomers at the California Institute of Technology. And what is stated in that article um, is that based on their data and their analysis, that there is uh, a gravitational pull and that, there's a, and that there's a four tenths of a percent chance that is a fluke, which is respect to the gravitational pull. So, so if you do the math, uh, that means there's a 99.6% chance that a planet exists. Now, granted, they haven't located the planet yet and they had not made a formal discovery, but there's that gravitational pull uh, that they also recognized back when Pluto was discovered. And uh, they are stating um, that it's elongated, the orbit is elongated, which is similar to Pluto, that it's probably a gaseous planet and that it's about six times the mass of Earth. And Incidentally, the astronomer that was instrumental in the declassification of Pluto is the leech astronomer in the hunt for planet nine. So is planet nine and planet X the same? I would, I would say so, because they're, they're being impacted by the same first ray energies. And Pluto is just a physical manifestation of, of the energy, just as um, planet nine or planet X is. And then another thought that perhaps may be occurring since they've been looking for this planet for decades and they have not been able to find it, a thought came to my mind that perhaps it's emerging from the etheric realms. But that's just my thought on that. So what I'd like to do is explain this chart and, and please forgive me, I hope everyone can read my handwriting. And um, this is my lack of, of experience in graphics in PowerPoint. So what I did is I hand drew it and, and scanned it and, and placed it into the PowerPoint. So if you just let me walk through it, it it'll make a whole lot of sense to everyone. <clears throat> so what you have here is you have three points of the triangle. You have point one, point two, and point three. And each point can be referred to as a point of tension or a pause within uh, energy and, and one can think of the in-breath and the out-breath of the new and full moon meditations where you have uh, the full moon pause is after the in-breath and a new moon pause is after, excuse me, the full moon pause is after an in-breath and the new moon pause is after an out-breath. Thank you. So during this pause, you Pluto discovery announced March 13th, 1930, which just happened to be during the full moon cycle of Pisces. So again, you have that pause of the full moon before an outbreath of activity. So the arrow shows the activity, the outbreath, and the impact perhaps during that first um, uh, time period of 1918 to 1945. And subsequent uh, to the outbreath, if you can visualize the breath, there's a pause that's in the in-breath. So that's also a point of tension, a pause. And it was during the new moon of Virgo, which is the pause after the out-breath, that Pluto was declassified. And that was on August 24th, for August 24th, excuse me, 2006, in the sign of Virgo. So if you just follow the breath, you can see perhaps we're in a period now of in-breath. And there's certainly a lot of crisis and consolidation going on there. And you can see there's a subsequent pause, which would be a third period of tension. And perhaps, and again, I have question marks there, this is discovery of a new planet and possibly of a full moon. Again, just following that pattern there. And then you can see you have a new uh, outbreath activity. So I hope that makes sense to everyone. Um, again, I'm just tying in the um, activity of the uh, new group of world servers, uh, the rhythm of the in-breath and the out-breath and the work, and the um, 
discovery, the classification of Pluto, which perhaps is an ending of a destructive aspect of the first ray, not necessarily a um, non-sacred aspect, but sometimes a destructive aspect is certainly necessary. And perhaps we're moving into a second aspect of the first ray, which is that of synthesis. So that's what we have there. And just to um, finalize with two slides, you can see here's a hypothetical orbit of planet number nine, and you can see it has a very elliptical pattern. And something that came to my mind uh, when, when looking at this is the, that you know, the orbit is so much different than the other planets. Perhaps uh, this planet was introduced into our solar system, but that's just my thought on that. And then uh, to end, here's an artist's rendition of planet number nine. Mm. So thank you. That's my presentation. Thank you. That was really interesting. Um, there was so much information. I'm, I'm a little slow in taking in all the information. So could you, sure. could you just um, see, again, present the parallels between the cycles in the discovery of Pluto and the present time? Is, is this the exact same cycle this year or what, what year is it the well, same? When, what I was doing was uh, I, I recognized patterns between the two periods of time. So 1918 yeah. and 1945 and today. Yeah. And um, there were similarities between the two. And, and, and actually there's a, a few programs and a number of articles where other people have recognized similarities. So as I pondered on that and um, I was, and I'll just scroll back so you can follow me. So as I pondered on some, some similarities. I was also aware of the article by Foster Bailey, The Time Cycles of the New Group of World Servers. Yeah. And in looking at that chart, I just came across the, um, the, 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 the exact um, pattern of uh, the work of, of the New Group of World Servers through those three cycles, the crisis, consolidation, yeah. tension, expansion, emergence impact. And I could see here, like for example, 41 and 42, you can see here's an emergence impact, another emergence impact, and then a crisis consolidation. Yeah. And then 44 to 45. And this is the same exact one of, as 22, 23, and 25 to 26. Right, but not With necessarily the related. Being in 1942. Yeah, but not necessarily related to 1930 when Pluto was discovered it was well slightly... with the, the reason I and I brought in Pluto because what I was saying is I said mm, that's interesting is there anything else out there is mm -hmm. there some relation um you know other relations and that's where Pluto came in and uh, that may relate to the impacts of Shambhala um mm -hmm. that happened later in the 1880s I believe and then you had two impact impacts in 1975 and 2000. Mm -hmm. And I thought um, that perhaps the introduction of Pluto, that first ray energy, impacted the time periods yeah. that was 1918 and 1945. Yeah. Now it was announced in 1930, but something I didn't add here, I didn't want to add too much to the PowerPoint is that um, they actually have some slides back on 1916 and 1917, where perhaps it was already discovered, but they didn't recognize it. Yeah. So they, so there was a hunt uh, for this planet um, through the earlier part of last century. And they just happened to come across Pluto and the astronomer came across Pluto. But as the times, as the time went on with Pluto, they, they saw that its luminosity wasn't as high as they thought. And then they recognized there were other actually planets larger than it. And that's what resulted in its uh, declassification in 2006. They actually mm. found some dwarf planets uh, that were yeah. larger than it. Yeah. But that didn't stop uh, the look for a heavier planet, which, yeah. yeah. So it's just over that time period where okay. The, dis the discovery of Pluto. And then you have 
incidentally, an article come out in August that they have a 99.6% chance that there's another planet out there based on gravitational pull. And are they thinking that this, I guess they don't know, but this could be discovered rel- relatively soon, it sounds well, like. Well, and, um, and reading the abstract, actually it's an abstract, and I'm, I'm showing this slide here where he says the orbit of planet nine, and here's the authors mm-hmm. here. If you, if you search that, you will find that abstract. It's very technical, yeah. um, but there are some, some areas uh, that can be understood by the layman, such as myself, and uh, they're pretty confident it's out there based on the gravitational pull. And they're physically looking for a planet. Um, they haven't found it yet, but the, I found the, um, the abstract to be very compelling. Well, it, it, it dovetails with what the Tibetan says because in the, he gives a lineup for the energies that are inflowing into humanity during the Leo full moon, the Sirius festival. And during that, he says the first planet that he lists um, is a trans, an undiscovered trans-Neptunian planet. So he's he's confirming that it exists. You know, yeah. maybe, it's, maybe it's not the same one, but it sounds quite uh, possible that it is. And so it's it's interesting that we had a double Leo full moon this year, and this is coming to light right at right on the day of that Leo full, that second Leo full moon, which I believe was August Yes, 22nd. it was. And um, yeah, that's interesting because you, and I'll, I'll go back to um, another comparison here. You have Pisces, Virgo, which is the opposite. So you can, yeah. you can visualize the, um, the natal chart there, the opposite, and then perhaps this is a Leo. So you have perhaps yes. a Pisces, Virgo, Leo triangle. Yeah, which I like know you... Yeah, you presented a, a, a few meetings back there. Yeah, it's a really, yeah, it makes sense that yeah, it could have been stimulated very much by that alignment then. So I, I would think also that's... say um, that the astronomers that are working on this, I, 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 I suspect that they're work, they're probably getting um, impacts from the from the abstract mind, the higher the higher mental plane. Yeah. Um, and that they recognize that that's out there and it could be um, those, those energies that are compelling them forward. <clears throat> well, let's um, open it up to the audience now. There's a, quite a few um, comments yeah, in the chat box. Gonna, um, sure. So I wanna make sure I get to you, all right. see. Hold on one second here. I'm having a problem opening this up. Just bear with me a second here. Hmm. You could just leave it. I mean, it's fine the way it is. If you just click yeah, on I chat. Can, I can't uh, see the... Can you click on chat? There you go. I can read the chats. Okay. okay. Yeah. Thank you. So if anybody would like to share an audible comment, you can click on the reactions icon and we'll unmute your microphone. But in the meantime, um, you can see the chat box. So you might want to read some of those comments. Yeah, let me see here. Let me just go down. So the one first question, is there, a, is there an esoteric significance in the declassification of Pluto? My thought on that to a dwarf planet, or is it erroneous? My thought on that is, um, is that it appears to me that perhaps it could end uh, a phase of the first ray energies, that of the destructive phase, there are two aspects of the first ray. That's destruction, destruction aspect and the synthesis aspect. So the thought that came to my mind is perhaps it's an ending of that destructive phase and we're moving into a, synth- a synthetic phase. Um, that's, a, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, because, but that would also dovetail with thoughts that I've had and 
people have posted here in the chat box that it would be related to the ascendancy of the sacred planet, which is Vulcan along yes. the first stray line. So yeah, that's an interesting point, Michelle. Yeah, because the, the planet Pluto itself is just, it's just a physical aspect of the first ray. Yeah. So the fact that it was declassified from an esoteric perspective is uh, insignificant. It's about um, patterns that, that we're trying to connect here. <clears throat> and that's interesting. Surprised. You know, the effects of, uh, of um, causal patterns. Yeah. And it's interesting that it's going through this long transit of, of Pluto in, in Capricorn, the most materialistic sign on the one hand, but also yeah. a sign that really strengthens the new group of world server and the disciples of the world. So, yeah, it could be related to that very much. Yeah, so... Again, yeah, just focus on the on Pluto in the first ray. Thank you, Michelle. Okay. It's right in through here. Can you elaborate on the Me Too movement and the shattering of emotional and mental crystallizations and make a way for the new? Well, I would just say that the Me Too movements, uh, again, very much on the mental and perhaps streaming down in the astral. Um, realms is you you have the ideals coming from the higher mental in, in my view and they're being recognized by groups of people and of behavior that needs to change so uh, you're, you're moving from a behavior of exclusiveness to inclusiveness where you know you treat people with respect uh, or all part of one unity and you're seeing um, individuals perhaps through a first ray, um, uh, the first ray inclination, bringing that to everyone's attention. You have that perseverance and purpose of saying things need to change. You know, um, you know, you have Black Lives Matter movement, for, for example, um, you know, you have a collective there. They're saying, okay, we're not gonna be treated this way anymore. Things need to change. We're part of humanity and, and we need to be treated as such. So that, that could be a good example of that. And if you wanted to add anything, Kathy. <clears throat> no, that's fine. Okay. Let's see, uh, might the new planet be Vulcan? It is a sacred planet associated with the first ray. The Roman god Vulcan was a synthesizer. He was. Um, as I understand, there's two first ray planets though, correct? Yeah, Vulcan and, and Pluto. Um, so perhaps, um, well, let me ask this question uh, to Kathy, if you don't mind. No. Uh, could, the, could there be a possibility of two sacred first ray planets, Vulcan and a um, higher aspect of, of the first ray? Uh, well, it's not mentioned by the Tibetan, uh, so I don't really see that at this time, but it ponder, begs the question of what would this, uh, this trans-Neptunian planet, um, I wonder, you know, what ray line that would be on. We don't have a sacred fifth ray planet, and we don't have a sacred seventh ray, I mean, we don't have a non-sacred fifth ray planet, nor okay. do we have a non-sacred seventh ray planet. So those spaces are open, up for I grabs, see. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know. It looks okay. quite, quite sacred there in the picture, but who knows? Yeah. yeah. Well, again, yeah. just thoughts for, for pondering. Yeah. Sure. But Vulcan is definitely, con well, I mean, definitely, but it's, it's highly speculated to be an um, intramercurial planet, you know, between Mercury and the sun within the orb of the sun. Gotcha. So it's, um, but it, you know, it used to be considered uh, etheric, but it's been pretty well, I don't know if it's exactly stated by the Tibetan, but I believe it is. It's, it isn't considered etheric. It is considered to be a physical planet. So, but I think, okay. um, you know, people have been saying that over the last uh, decades, there's been a lot of hope for the development of fusion, the fusion of the atom. And so I think as we're moving really close towards that point, we hope, um, that should coincide, I would say, with the discovery of a new planets. Because as we know, there's the events that are occurring in the outer world 
oftentimes are very reflective of the nature of the planet and Vulcan is the planet of synthesis. Yeah. So I lost you there for a second, Kathy, but that's okay. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So uh, another question, if planet number nine is gaseous planet, what does that mean as far as its ratio to its solidity? Well, that question, I, I don't know how to answer. Um, that I don't know. Well, when you, when you were speaking of it, you said that many of the other outer planets are also gaseous. So it doesn't seem like that's a, any kind of detrimental thing for a planet. It's, it's no, a, it's no, not a, at all. So it's like the other, a lot of the other uh, outer planets. Well, Pluto is, uh, of course, solid, and and, mm -hmm. and um, this planet is is expected to is, is stated to be gaseous. So maybe it's it's speaking to moving away um, um, more of a refinement of the first ray aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that thought came to me, or perhaps some some other aspect. Maybe you said the fifth ray um, and the seventh ray don't yes. have a they don't okay. have non-sacred rulers. Yeah. I see it as a refinement going from a hard solid to a gaseous. That's my, my thoughts mm -hmm. on that. That could mm -hmm. symbolize that. Let's see. Great. Okay. Maybe we can see on 2012 the planet 11. I um I know we were talking about planet number nine. <laughs> Are we including uh, the sun and the moon as veiling planets in that? Maybe they're talking about the order in which the planets go, sort of. Okay. Sort of being the tenth, and then another, perhaps a trans-Plutonian planet. Although there have been number of planets already discovered that are trans-Plutonian. Okay. Although Pluto okay, is not a sacred planet, DK still listed as the esoteric ruler of Pisces. This is the only non-sacred planet listed in. This is, okay. He also gives Pluto as the esoteric ruler in Scorpio. So, yes. Um, yeah, even though it's quote unquote non-sacred, it's, very powerful, obviously. Yeah. Very powerful planet. And the, the, the significance of that is um, in the one, pull it up here, in that uh, Pluto, uh, Pluto's discovery was announced in Pisces. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. going down here. Well, just maybe a couple more comments and then we'll, we'll close sure. your day and I'll send these to you for you to, to read. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, it's my understanding that if you trace the elliptical orbit of planet X, there is a small black hole the size of a grapefruit in our galaxy. And interestingly enough, in that article uh, by the astronomers from Caltech, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're indicating that there is no black hole. Mm -hmm. um, they do speak about that in that abstract. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just answer one more. And yeah, uh, my grief uh, with Matthew, the greatest long-term crisis of our present time are the interrelated crises of climate change, ecological ecological destruction, excuse me, and the biodiversity laws, which will lead to a tragic end of all humanity. I do agree with that. And um, some of that destruction is certainly uh, first ray. You see um, uh, the fires, uh, the forest fires uh, that are occurring, um, which I think has a first ray element. And the, um, the, uh, the extinction of um, species certainly that first right aspect. I think that's it. I All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Michelle. Thank you.
for sharing your thoughts with us and it was really interesting. And so why don't we just uh, take a brief moment of silence to visualize the planet surrounded by a network of triangles. And we'll sound the om. Thank you, everyone.